Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of Post Loons, live here from Allianz Field with both of us from the Loons Stomping Ground tonight. Uh, I'm your host, Jacob Schneider. I am joined by my co-host, Jeremy Rushing, this evening. Jeremy, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good, Jacob. I wish we were talking about a little bit of a better result, but, uh, you know, a lot of discussion, a lot of conversation to be had nonetheless. So, uh, yeah, really excited to get going here and excited to be back on the show that I started, which is weird yeah. that I'm a guest. I'm kind of a guest on my own show, but not really. So it's kind of a weird feeling. But uh, you've been doing such a good job holding down the fort on post loons. It's like, you know what, Jacob, let's let's have you do your thing and I'll try not to screw it up. Yet I can't seem to figure out the camera angle properly before the show starts. You know, sometimes we just have to roll with it. You know, you got to be like me. You got to you got to bring the the laptop stand to Allianz Field. Be a real. Oh. Yeah. You know, I probably looked really dumb doing it. But hey, it, it's working out. The camera angle for me is great. Yeah. Speak, speaking of camera angles on me, how about the uh, the TV broadcast? Getting a little glimpse of of this little, little this um, action on the on the apple tv broadcast and they were showing to a good friend of the good friend of the podcast good friend of the show uh mr tom bogart over at the athletic uh put out a lovely photo of the loons gaffer adrian heath this evening on social media uh in due fairness it was uh shown on the broadcast uh but jeremy my laptop is actually where he was seated this evening i'm in his chair that he sat in during the game so oh, wow. i think i think i might have a little props here above you where was he sitting more, though, on the table or on the chair? Good Cause... question. Uh, probably the table. So I'm going to put my hands up here. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, All right. we, got a, we got a ton of questions and comments, Jacob. So let's, uh, let's, let's jump in here. Well, before we do that, like I said, we're live from Allianz Field. It's, uh, it's a tough night for Minnesota United. It is a 4-1 loss to Austin FC, uh, a night on uh, 14 corner kicks, 55% possession, over a 2.15 uh, XG, and frankly, a disappointing home result, which has been a trend for the 2023 campaign. Uh, the fans deserve better. The players deserve better. More is going to come. Change is going to come. Uh, but it might take a little longer than you know they'd hope. Uh, I'll say this. I think the League's Cup is coming at the perfect time for this squad in terms of momentum, in terms of growth, in terms of bringing players in. So we'll see where that goes. But folks, before we get into questions, before we get in the show, give us a like. If you are on Facebook, if you are on YouTube, if you are on Twitter, share the stream, you know, saw some likes, get some comments in the chat. Uh, make sure you share it, you know, and support us over here at Soda Soccer. Uh, we're really happy to have you join us here. Uh, like I said, we're live from Allianz Field. We just got out of the press conference where we spoke with uh, uh, first-time goal scorer, prof his first professional goal, Devin Paddleford. Uh, first MLS you know, goal. First, Technically, yeah. MLS Next Pro is, is pro. So Fair, fair. Uh, first professional Major League Soccer goal from Devin Paddleford uh, and then MNUFC captain Will Trap too and we'll touch on what they said later uh, but for now we're going to talk about what you guys are talking about so send us those questions in and be sure to share on social media as you're watching as well uh, so without further ado let's get our first uh, question up in here from uh, MNUFC um, podcaster content creator himself David Naylor um, Boxy's absence wouldn't hit that hard but shirt felt like it Jeremy Every single person we spoke to post game, Adrian Heath included, mentioned Boxy's absence tonight. What did you see on the pitch uh, in terms of that right center back role and the gaping hole that was Michael Boxel this evening? Look, Boxy's absence was felt, and and I guess at some level it can be an excuse, but I also think it's not an excuse. So so here's here's where his absence was felt. It, it was in the it was in the lineup. You saw it in the lineup before the match, where actually the lineup we got had Mikai Dabasi and. Mickey Tapia is on the left 
and Zarek Valentin uh, uh, on the right. But anyways, that was end up, end up being flipped. But you saw it in the way that Minnesota United came out. Bakai Dabasi, who is a left back, left center back specialist, now has to move over and play right center back, which is it's it's one spot over, yes, but it is a a different it's a different position when you're playing against your better foot. He's a left-footed player playing on the right. Um, it, it makes a difference which side of the pitch you're playing on on the back line. I'm not going to say it doesn't. It, it 100% does. Um, is that an excuse for – is that one omission of Michael Boxel an excuse for some of the, the ball watching and just some of the uh, lack of marking that we saw uh, numerous times that led to nearly every single Austin goal in this match? Is that an excuse for that? No. Did it have an effect? Absolutely. Did it put Minnesota United at a bit of a disadvantage defensively? Absolutely. But is it an excuse for giving up four goals to Austin and a, a break, uh, hat trick to Sebastian Giussi? No, I don't think so. I think you're kind of leading into what David uh, followed up with. And it was, you know, what was the exact, uh, what was the most broken part of the back line tonight? Was it the scheme? Was it the specific players? And I'm going to touch in on this one, Jeremy. Uh, I'm going to go on and say, I think it was, um, the incorrect choice to swap your fullbacks tonight. I don't think Zarek Valentin is as good of a left back as a right back, whereas I think DJ Taylor um, can perform at a high level at both right back and left back. And the miscommunication was evident. I mean, Miguel Tapias and DJ Taylor had a connection there on the same page. Uh, they were Valentin and Tapias were not on the same page tonight. And then Debassi and Taylor weren't on the same page tonight. It didn't feel like there was any cohesion along the back line. It felt like Cliff Irwin was even uncomfortable with Bakai Debassi as a right center back. Uh, we saw early in the first half there was an instance where he dribbled too much with the ball in his own box and was forced to kick it out close to where the end line was. And it was because Bakai Debassi wasn't in a space where he was comfortable to release the ball when playing out of the back, where normally Michael Boxel would be. Uh, and where normally Zarek Valentin has been over the past few weeks and in the last match where Clint Irwin played. Um, so I think, you know, overall that's my biggest quarrel with the – with the defensive scheme tonight, I just don't think swapping the fullbacks was the correct decision. But Adrian Heath's uh, thought process, the wording he told us post game, was because he wanted to get that forward momentum uh, through Bongi Klangwane on the right wing and DJ Taylor on the right wing, some overlapping runs, uh, get some movement up the pitch. And we saw numerous counterattacks. My God, yeah. how many counterattacks can a team get? How many times can you send Bongi and Mender um, down the respective wings or down the middle um, and not get a goal? It just is unfortunate. But for me, um, the fullbacks were the incorrect choice tonight, and I do think you know maybe an option would have put would have been putting uh, Zarek at a right at right center back, DJ at right back, and Bakai at left back. Zarek has played there for his national team. Adrian mentioned on Friday that we he would have been comfortable playing Zarek at center back if needed, um, but you know that's in the past. The result is the result, and you know the consequences are now there. Yeah, and, and look, they're. You could you could put the combination a, a million different ways. They're still super thin right now when you're missing Kamar Lawrence, and uh, there's you know rumors of Ethan Bristow, a 21 year old uh, left back out of VFL League Two, who potentially coming in. But you have Devin Padelford, who is is sort of emerging now in that left back spot as a real competitor for kind of being that first support piece for Kamar Lawrence, even if Ethan Bristow does come in. So um, there is, I guess, a little bit of optimism on the back line with the reinforcements that are coming in. Kamar Lawrence is going to be back at some point when Jamaica is done at the Gold Cup, but, you know, they're looking pretty strong. And, um, you know, I, I would I would pick them to beat Guatemala uh, tomorrow. 
uh, and continue moving on. But um, with that being said, I, I do think that you know they are thin at the back line, but I do yeah. think the guys that they have back there are good enough to put up a much better performance than what they did tonight, even if you're sort of mixing and matching and, yes. and moving things around and moving guys in places that maybe aren't their preferred position. They're still good enough soccer players. They're still good enough defenders to – you know, it, it, to me, it wasn't positioning. That was it was, but it wasn't. It was more marking. It was more effort. It was more covering ground that needed to be covered, um, not ball watching. That was the issue. Not necessarily somebody looking uncomfortable in their particular spot. So we've got Eric Grady, friend of the uh, show, always here supporting us. Thank you, Eric. Uh, in the chat, saying the XG is a bit overstated. Mender's so unlikely to score, even if he's in close. Uh, he's been unlucky of late. But what I will say about Mender is he is growing into his shoes a lot more. Um, than I would have thought this season. He is showing potential. He's making the necessary runs. Uh, I think one of the things a striker might overthink in any situation, any game, any players, the thought of being selfish. Nobody wants to be selfish knowing they had a player open that they didn't see. So he maybe passed it one too many times tonight, maybe tried to play that extra ball. Be selfish, Mender. Be selfish, shoot, put the attempt on frame, because if anything else, you are testing Stuber. You are testing that back line. And you have confidence as a forward that you're damn right. I can put that ball on frame. I can do that and over and over again. But it just feels like he's overthinking uh, things one too many times in that final third. And I, but I also think, you know, with the addition of someone like Timo Puki, there's going to be a lot to learn from him. And there'll be some growth there. Uh, Jeremy, what are you thinking? Yeah, you know, Mender Garcia is interesting because obviously he is expected to do better than he's doing in terms of finishing. He's getting himself in really good situation he, situations, giving himself really good chances. He's running his ass off. Um, but man, it's just not, he's just not finishing. He's just not doing what he has to do to put to finish those chances that he is working so hard to create for himself. Kind of reminds me of Bongi a little bit before Bongi really started to come into form over the last couple months, where he's putting in the work. It's not a lack of effort with Garcia, yes. he's not standing around. He's he's making the moves. He's he's doing what he has to do. I mean, he was in on goal what four, five, six times in the first half hour in this match. Yes, uh, him and Bongi, and he just it just seems to be that common thread with this entire attack is they haven't been able to finish chances. Mender Garcia is uh, not a uh, you know he's he's one of those individuals who is having that that problem. I don't know what the solution is for him. Right now, maybe having a guy like Timu Puki there in at the training ground, maybe you can show him a few things. Maybe you can just kind of give him the confidence that he needs to be able to be confident in finishing those chances. But to me, I also see him sort of working himself in shorter angle shooting opportunities than maybe he needs to be. I saw pretty much every time from our vantage point in the press box, he's coming in sort of from the left side of the box when he could position himself more central and give himself a better opportunity on goal instead of putting yourself in a position where you maybe have to curl the ball around the goalkeeper. Um, he doesn't seem like maybe he has that that curling, just magic touch on his foot. Again, that's just sort of me speculating based off what I'm seeing. But um, yeah, he's doing everything else he needs to do. And you would think you put that work in, it's going to it's gonna pay off for you at some point. But man, it's just, it's not working out for Mender right now in terms of finishing. And it's it's sad to see because again, he is he's putting in the effort. He's doing the work. Yeah, and Jeremy, briefly switching topics, um, 
it's blowing up on Twitter right now, so I figured it's a good time to share it in here. Um, but as the pool reporter for Minnesota United, I submitted a question to Pro tonight regarding the incident in the first half where Bakai Debassi was foul, uh, committed a foul inside the box, a penalty kick was awarded to Austin, and there seemed to be um, what I think is fair to describe as Alex Chilowicz, um standing there waiting for confirmation for VAR for 60 to 90 seconds or so about what was happening. He had his hand up to his ear, he's pushing players away. He himself in that position can't do much because he called the foul and VAR was looking at it, uh, and all parties are in the unknown until he clears it up and saying, hey, penalty, no penalty, or I'm going to go to the monitor. He didn't go to the monitor. He called penalty, and I asked about it. Uh, I'm going to read my question, and then I will read his answer um, for anybody here, and then send us some questions and your thoughts on on Pro's response tonight and maybe you know what your thought on that play was in general, folks. But uh, in the 45th minute, Bakai Debassi had a penalty kick called against him in the MNUFC box. Why did Alex Chilowicz not go to the monitor to, to review the play him, himself? Additionally, did VAR deem contact was made on the attacker before the ball on the foul committed? Uh, okay. Answer was the call on the field was not deemed to be a clear and obvious error by the VAR. And that was uh, Pro's answer for both of my questions. Um, I'm a bit disappointed in the response from Pro. I would have liked more detail, but I will say this is typical. This is usual. And it, sometimes it feels like, you know, pointless putting in questions like this because the answer we get is the same thing every time. And it's a severe lack of detail. Um, and it's frustrating. But I will say, at the same time, don't make a sloppy foul like that. You don't yeah. need to slide tackle in the box. Right. You are a veteran in this league. Uh, and hold yourself accountable in that situation and say, I need to do better. Um, but uh, that was the answer from Pro. So if that clears it up for any of you watching, uh, I hope that helps. If not, I apologize. I am not Pro. I am just the spokesperson on behalf of their response tonight. So... Without further ado, uh, Jeremy, we've got uh, a comment in here from Christopher Alfebi on DJ Taylor uh, at left back. Uh, he didn't play left back tonight, uh, Christopher, but your comment says, can we uh, uh, please be done with DJ at left back? I think I think it's tough. I will look at this and I'll say the fullback situation has not been ideal this year. Kamar Lawrence has not been at his best, but he also has had distractions of family issues uh, in Jamaica. He's had an injury and now he's on international duty. Um, Ethan Bristow, uh, transfer target for Minnesota United right now, 21-year-old left back, uh, English, and St. Kitts and Nevis dual national, actually. There's a fun little CONCACAF connection. But he plays for Tranmere Rovers uh, in England, and he's linked to the club. Adrian Heath has admitted it, their interest. Uh, he hopes to get the deal done. Uh, it is not confirmed whether or not it would be a U22 initiative spot, but a left back could be on the way. And if it is not Bristow, there is uh, – it is a priority this window. Jeremy, how do you see the Loons fullback situation right now? And is it in dire need of changing, fixing, or is it just continue to grind and be better? It's in dire need of, of some competition, I think. I think the back four has largely been sort of set this season in a way where it, there's no real question as to who's going to be back there, which can be good. But I think we've seen that maybe – the you know, the, the guys who are up there could use a little bit of a push, um, you know, and not to single really anybody out, but, you know, I don't think, I think Kamar Lawrence would be the first to tell you maybe he, has, he hasn't been at his best this season uh, on the left. 
And yep. so to you know, this is a great time for Devin Pedelford to be coming into his own. This is a great time for, you know, another young piece to be coming in at that left back position and make it a real competition. And, and if you're able to push each other, I think, you know, the best man will come out of that. And hopefully they're, they're, you know, a, a big contributor for the team in that left back position, because the fullbacks are so crucial. They're so important to the way Adrian Heath's system operates. Um, and they just, to be fair, you know, DJ Taylor hasn't been playing at his normal position. It's been Taylor and Valentino yeah. a lot. Um, and so that's not necessarily your first choice. But they're so important. You you need guys there who can make big impacts. And they haven't really – Lewins haven't really had that uh, for for large stretches this season, which could be why we're – you know, they're sitting 2-2-5 two, two, and five at this point in, yeah. in home matches uh, at this point in the season. Uh, Jeremy, one of the things we spoke about post game with both Will Trapp, uh, Devin Padelford, uh, to the chat, Padelford, uh, and Adrian Heath was corner kicks tonight. Uh, 14 total corners, uh, two of the 12 on target, one of which was scored, but those other 12 were non threatening. And it's frustrating to watch opportunity after opportunity be either misplayed or miscued from our perspective. Uh, but what we were informed of post game was that this near this near post flick on was intentional. These short corners were intentional. Um, everything that we saw from dead dead ball set pieces tonight was intentional. And Will Trap explained it as Giassi Zardes, a very large human being, by the way, uh, lines up at the near post for Austin FC on every single corner kick. Their intention was to near flick on over Zardes, who has the most height of anybody in the box, and get ahead on it back poster in the middle of the box to try and put it past Stuver. Uh, and they succeeded once or twice, but they saw when they couldn't get the ball over Zardes, they tried to put it through the middle, get a ball into the box, get ahead on it, okay? Classic corner kick. Stuver collected it the three times that happened. Um, so then it, it come down, you're late in the match, you're like, all right, I got a corner kick, what am I going to do? Quick reactions. All right, let's quick, let's uh, short corner, let's get the ball in the box, and Will Trap told us that uh, their intention was to catch Austin out of position, maybe catch some of the guys unaware, um, and, you know, the Loons have had success catching uh, position unaware corner kicks. Let's go back to Rays Olympico last week, and it's a perfect example. Um, but, yes, uh, Eric, I was also frustrated with the corner kicks tonight. Uh, I think they could have done better. I think maybe the service could have been a little bit better, even on the near flick-ons. Um, unusual night from Reynoso in terms of uh, free kick service. Uh, but, again, everything they did was intentional. It was planned. It was just poorly uh, portrayed, I think is the word I want to use, poorly portrayed. But let's get some positivity in here, Jeremy. What did you see from the crowd at Allianz Field tonight? Uh, the best part, other than Pookie, was the wonder wall in the beginning. Deafening. One of the best showings to date, in my opinion. Despite losses, great energy, says uh, MJ. Uh, Jeremy, what did you see from the wonder wall and the Minnesota United fan base tonight? Yeah, there was there was a real buzz and like anticipation uh, heading into this one. Even just walking up hour and a half before the game walking walking into the the stadium you, you could feel you could feel it like there was like an electricity there was something there was something new uh added to the atmosphere for this one that we haven't really had so far this season and, and obviously rightfully so you have a new dp striker coming in um the team was coming off their most lopsided win in like forever right uh so there there was reason to think that like okay this is this is the turning point this could be where the team really starts to hit its stride Obviously, it didn't play out that way. But at the beginning of the match, the MJ is right. The the Wonderwall was was very loud. Um, even up until the third goal, 
you know, the, the crowd was chanting to start the second half. We want Pookie. We want Pookie. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the goal sort of uh, silenced that a little bit. But to, to their credit, they, they kept going strong. And when Pookie came on, even though it was 3-0 at the time, there was a huge ovation. Anytime he touched the ball, there was a huge ovation. Uh, there was just this sort of, uh, again, like this anticipatory uh, roar of the crowd whenever he touched the ball in the box. Like you, you were just wondering what was going to happen. Um, he got a few shots on net that, you know, had some oohs and ahs from the crowd. But, yeah, I think the crowd was awesome tonight, and there was you know reason to be excited about the match. And even with the scoreline, there was reason to be excited with with your new DP making his debut. So, um, yeah, yeah. You know, no, super fair. I think Timo Puki had a great debut too. Um, we'll talk about Puki in a little bit. I've got a, qu- a comment here from Dave Valensky, first one of that. Dave is always here on the show, always giving his questions. Uh, thank you, Dave. But Jeremy, I like this question. I'm gonna have a take on it, but I'm gonna give you the honors. Do you want to go first? So Dave says, do you think it's time to change tactics with Timo Puki on the team? Maybe a 4-4-2. I'm guessing you would have Ray as a second striker in this scenario. So Ray and Puki up top together. That's not um, how I would see it. So no, that's not take. how you would see it. Give me your take first. I mean, I could see I could see that working. I just with the 4-4-2, I don't know necessarily how you would incorporate Ray effectively mm-hmm. in that if he's not that second striker. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think with the bossy back, I think you could definitely look at a three back or five back. That's that's actually what I would do. And if you're changing tactics, I would go with with the three center backs and two wing backs. Let's change personally if I was if I was Minnesota. But anyways, go ahead, Jacob. Let's change the question, Jeremy. If you were head coach of Minnesota United for the next game, Houston on Wednesday, and uh, you're the players that are healthy right now are the only players you have. So no saying Ben, no Fraga, uh, Boxy would be back, no DSC. What formation would you roll out there assuming, you know, the personnel can run 90? Yeah, that that's tough. Um, I think maybe a 4-3-3. Um, I, think, I think he sticks with the four at the back. Yep. For sure. So I think if you're if you're looking at it, it's either going to be a four two three one or four three three. Um, considering how, I, I don't know, man. Uh, that's that's, that's right. tough. I'm actually right with you. I think the four three three is what we're going to see. Uh, so, folks, just to clear a few things up, both Franco Fragapane and Songwei Zhang will not be available Wednesday against the Houston yep. Dynamo. That was clarified tonight. Fragapane will not be available before the League's Cup. That was clarified tonight. Uh, Sangbin will be evaluated after the Houston Dynamo game uh, regarding his status for LAFC. Uh, Adrian said that he's dealing with a very delicate, and I quote delicate, uh, part of his hamstring uh, right now, so they don't want to rush anything back, want to make sure he's uh, 100% fit. Uh, but I do think after Joseph Rosales' performance tonight, which was uh, which left a lot to be desired, um, I think we could see a 4-3-3 that has eventually changed to a 4-2-3-1 in the second half with Izzy. Uh, Ismail Tajiri Shradi. By the way, it goes by Izzy, folks. We're going to call him Izzy uh, on the channel here, on the chat, on the show, everything. Uh, I think Izzy could be brought on in that left wing position, moving Ray Central. But I think if you can maybe uh, maybe try and control the tempo of the match with three midfielders, um, uh, Bongi and maybe Puki if he starts, uh, I think that leads for potential midweek. That's that's how I'd run it. Um, I think Kervin Ariaga is hungry for minutes. I think it's a good opportunity to go on the road where they've had success of late uh, and try and get a result. 
Yeah. The reason why I not sure how to answer that question is I don't know if necessarily formation is the is the issue. Sure. I get that, you know, it's 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 in the middle of three games in seven days. So you're yep. gonna have to do some rotation, but you look at this the chances Minnesota had early on. And I don't again, I think when you give up a goal that much in the run of play or against the run of play, excuse me. I think that is really what contributed to the snowball rolling the way it did defensively for Minnesota. Yeah. I think they were really high off of that, off of that early just barrage, that onslaught. I mean, we already talked about how many times that that Bongi and, and Mender were in on goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you give up that goal against the run of play, and that's that's really where you saw things change and saw that shift. Um, so I don't think formationally it was the issue. So if they go out with a four-two-three-one on Wednesday, I'm not going to be hooting and hollering about it. Um, I, I do think seeing a full run out from Timu Pukki I, I think is something that I I want to see. I, I mean, hopefully, I think he's gonna he, he sh- I think he's gonna be fit enough. Uh, but if he's not, obviously, don't rush it. But you know. Getting those early chances from somebody like Pookie, no disrespect to Mender Garcia, but somebody like Pookie as opposed to Mender, uh, you know, that could be a total game changer. And that could that could be something that that Minnesota desperately needs. Looking purely at fitness levels and amount of time with the club, uh, I would guesstimate, I'm gonna use the word guesstimate, even though it's not real, that we see Izzy uh, get a start before Timu, uh, maybe midweek due to that left wing vacancy right now. And like I said, Rosales' performance tonight, if Heath opts to stay in that 4-2-3-1. So we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, one of the things to talk about, too, tonight was another former Minnesota United front who lit up uh, the pitch in MLS. Uh, AZ Jackson uh, with the game winner for St. Louis City tonight in a 1-0 victory. Uh, he earned Man of the Match honors. And I've had a few questions in the chat about AZ saying, you know, did MNUFC get this transfer wrong? Uh, is it the front office's fault? You know, what's going on? You know, why did we allow this to happen? And the simple question is, uh, folks, that AZ re- did request a transfer away from the club. Uh, he, he requested the move. He wanted to be incorporated to the first team sooner last year. He was unhappy. Um, there were, you know, uh, he was lighting it up in MLS Next Pro. Absolutely lighting it up. But at the same time, people need to realize that MLS Next Pro is, kid, is a bunch of kids. You know, you're looking at 16 through 22, 23, 24 is old. 24 is old. And I'm 24. I am old. What, 22 is old. I'm like old to be playing in MLS Next Pro. Yes. Uh, and there's a big difference between lighting it up against children versus lighting it up against Michael Boxel and Nikki Tapias. Uh, so please take that into context when understanding it. But there was just a very slim chance that AC was going to stay at the club regardless. And at the time, they got a good fee for him, and they were able to bring in a prospect in Cam Dunbar, who – Frankly, Cam hasn't put a foot wrong when he's had cameos this year. Um, he hasn't really done anything to put himself ahead of anybody, but he is a good prospect still. He might just, you know, be taking a bit longer to fill those shoes that, you know, everybody wants him to fill right away. Uh, like AZ's scoring this goal. He's getting this man of the match honors. What's Cam Dunbar doing? Cam is learning the system. He's growing into the team. He's getting cameos when he's can. Uh, he's scoring goals uh, with MNUFC too when he can, you know, play down there and also represent the first team on the bench. Uh, so I think, you know, you know, there's an understanding there and take the context uh, into consideration. Uh, but, you know, congrats Daisy on the goal. Congrats on the man of match performance. Uh, really impressive performance for him. 
yeah uh, yeah you know that's something that it, it's tough because you, you're right az is such a young kid he had, he had a lot of promise uh so it is it's i mean it, it's hard to not be disappointed when you see a guy like that go somewhere else yep but at the same time you can see it from both perspectives where minnesota maybe just wasn't necessarily ready to bring him up and he was ready in his mind to be brought up yep so he's going to request a trade somewhere and you know i think what Minnesota United got back for him for an unproven MLS talent was a pretty good, I think they got like somewhere in the hundred, hundred thousand mark of, of yep. game or Tam or something like that. So, um, you know, that's, that's a pretty good haul for an unproven MLS talent. Yep. So I, I'm, I'm not here to say that that trade was a terrible trade or a terrible move, but you look at what's lacking right now with Minnesota United. And you might think, man, a kid like AZ Jackson injection, a young talent like that, you know, could, could be useful for the loons right now. So there's a comment from Christopher Alphabi in the chat saying AZ is one of the best players in the league last year, enough to bring him up. Uh, where are you going to play him? Are you going to take Reynoso out? He's a 10. That's another thing. Yep. If you are AZ and you are stuck behind Emmanuel Reynoso and you know that and you are a proper 10, you got to get the move. You got to say, hey, either play me or I need, I need to bounce. And that's what he did. I mean, frankly, you're not benching Amanda Reynoso for any other attacking midfielder in this league. No. Minus, minus Honey Mukhtar. And I there's make, make that fight. There's no value. I understand there's no value, but there's really nothing there in being Ray's first backup. Mm -hmm. Like, we're seeing that with Cameron Dunbar this year. Like, how much has Cameron Dunbar played for Minnesota United? Not a ton. Not a ton. And I don't know if he's really going to this year. You know, because that's, that's okay. And, and maybe that's okay. But I'm saying for AZ Jackson's purpose, if he's going to sit on the first team and just sit behind Emmanuel Reynoso and never play, he's better off than playing in next pro. But yeah. he, if he doesn't want to play in next pro, he's going to request a trade. So that's, again, it's just one of those things where I don't necessarily think you can blame anyone either way for that. Um, you know, that's just, that's just where it is. Yeah, and one more question before we kind of hit the halftime mark of our show tonight, folks. Uh, back to that, you know, the concept of the, who the Loons attackers are. Eric Grady says, uh, Mender, Bongi, Ray, and Pookie would be fun. Who plays on the left? I would think – so this would be what I would describe as a 4 triple two, And I would play Ray as my left attacking midfielder and Bongi as my right attacking midfielder with two forwards and Pookie and Garcia with Trap and Dotson beneath. Um, there would just be no central targets, so you would line up. Um, think of it almost like a, like a hexagon. So two midfielders, two cams, two forwards. Uh, and uh, it has potential, but at the same time, you lack a central, uh, a central service threat. And I have a feeling that if you were to play that, uh, Ray would end up central regardless. Uh, he just yeah. draws himself to the center of the pitch. Jeremy, what are you thinking? Yeah, look, I, I think this – this brings me back to the four four two conversation where Ray would would fit in that. So when you're thinking about that, I think Ray would almost fit as like a as a second strike. Almost I almost call it like a nine point five, not a ten, not a nine. He's like an un, an underlying striker who's still going to play underneath the top four four one one, but he's not going to play. He's not going to play as you know. He's going to even play even further forward than he is at the 10. So you're almost, it's almost like a 9.5. So I don't yeah. know. 
maybe getting right closer to goal is is a good idea, but that also inhibits his ability to play make in the midfield. So more, that's that's something you got to take into consideration too. More left-footed race shots from outside the box on the right side of the pitch, please. That's what yeah. I want. Yeah, he can man, he, had, he had the one tonight that was just ridiculous. I it was like in the eighty, probably eighty-fifth, eight-ninetieth minute somewhere around there. He just hit this curler, and, and everybody in the press box for a second just. We all thought it was happening, but also Ethan Finley's curler in the first half, Jeremy. My yeah. goodness, yeah. that had some dip on it. He's in he's in really good form. I mean, he gets the assist on the first goal, uh, or first or third third goal on Drewsy's second. Yeah, three hundredth appearance. He's the seventeenth active player uh, to have three hundred MLS regular season appearances. So awesome for him to do that in Minnesota. Um, saw him talking to numerous people in the tunnel after the match. He was even like yeah. waiting for Will Trapp at the elevator mm-hmm. while we were walking up. So that was that was pretty cool to for him to get that and and do that and and have that opportunity. But um, at Allianz Field too. At Allianz Field, and that's that was I'm sure that was really special for him, and it was it was cool for us to see, and it's another cool storyline that we could write and talk about. Um, but going back going back to Reynoso, yeah, I think he's he's there to be that connectivity between the defensive third and the attacking third he is there to get the keys to how that attack is going to operate so i don't necessarily think of positioning him closer to goal is going to get you more to where you want to be from an attacking perspective for minnesota so jeremy i have a question for you did you happen to see the kits that toronto fc wore tonight in their match it was a limited edition of alternative third kit that adidas gave them one of four adidas sponsored clubs in the world to be given this alternate kit i'm gonna look it up right now though no it was a really cool kit uh i loved it i thought it was really cool uh you know how much of a kit fiend i am but let me tell y'all about a great energy kit is it this blue and pink yeah yeah okay pretty cool looking uh but folks if you're a kit fiend just like me, let me tell you about our good friends over at Golasso Kits, uh, who are sponsoring tonight's show. Uh, now's the time to talk about our good friends of Soda Soccer, Golasso Kits. That's G-O-L-A-C-O Kits.com. And you need to use code LOONS, all caps, L-O-O-N-S. Uh, and it's where you go to get these unique vintage jerseys. They'll be hard-pressed to find anywhere else. A prime example, they have multiple NASL era Minnesota United uh jerseys in stock they have a 2019 uh kit in stock uh dominic jose Bisono, good friend of the pod good friend of soda soccer as he's a content creator with us uh just bought a venezuelan national team cap there uh their selection is vast the quality of products is basically new if you're skeptical check it out glossakits.com and use code loons that's all caps l at checkout to receive 15 percent off your order jerseys Jackets, apparel, mystery kits, and mystery boxes. You save 15% on everything and anything when you head to GolossoKits.com. So, huge thanks to GolossoKits for sponsoring this episode of Post Loons and supporting our work here at Soda Soccer. Jacob, uh, look at Jacob, look what they got. We were just talking about this oh, the other day. The Xbox-sponsored Seattle Sounders yes. jersey. Yeah, okay. Hot take. Uh, Xbox is the best sponsor an MLS jersey has ever had. Uh, what do you think, Jeremy? Is it a hot take? If you're watching, if you're in the chat... Uh, if you're supporting the stream right now, send us your favorite MLS kit of all time, uh, your favorite MLS sponsor of all time. What is the coolest jersey uh, you own, any leagues? Or maybe, maybe talk a little kit stuff right now. Uh, for me personally, um, I've got this really cool <laughs> – well, he's, he's not a hot player right now in Toronto by any means, but it's a, a 2017 – no, 2018 limited edition uh, Juventus uh, Federico Bernadeschi uh, – 
uh, rainbow kit. And it's this, uh, it was the sponsorship with EA Sports FIFA, and only like 1,100 of these jerseys were made. And it's got the authentic Serie A patches. It's got the EA Sports FIFA patches. And it's like this reflective rainbow kit. And uh, I love it. I think it's the coolest thing. But Bernadeschi in Toronto, uh, not a hot character right now. Uh, suspended for tonight's match uh, due to red card. Uh, and, you know, there's some stories coming out about the instances going on in Toronto's locker room. Bernadeschi, I guess, can't stop vaping in the locker room. That's uh, just you know, amazing. That's just amazing. Like, oh, it's like I don't that, know, me- that makes me laugh every time it's I like hear that it. meme where it's like, yeah, we get it. You vape. Yeah, we get it. You smoke cigs. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. uh, that's the most Italian thing ever, Jeremy. Let's let's be real. It's the most Italian thing ever. Uh, as I throw my hands in the air. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, folks, uh, our friends over at Colossal Kids are awesome. Uh, ooh, here's a good one. Christopher Alfebi says, nothing beats 1990s DC United kits. Man, those were beauties. Uh, the baggy the baggy sleeves, the baggy bottom, tucked in uh, while they're running with the, with the collars. I mean, mm-hmm. man, we used to be a, we used to be a country. We used to be a, we used to be a soccer country, darn it. God darn it. Hey, uh, U.S. Women's National Team kits for the World Cup are pretty cool. I'll say that. Um, there's some really cool World Cup kits also, out there. Also, before we shout out uh, Megan Rapino announced her yeah. she's going to re- be retiring at the end of 2023. You know, and on the topic of women's soccer here, Jeremy, uh, our friends over at Minnesota Aurora, uh, we just want to say one hell of a season. We yeah. are so proud of you, uh, and we are thrilled to continue to cover you. Um, the, uh, we, we love the coverage we produce. We love our supporters, our readers, everything. Um Heroic effort in these playoff run. Unfortunate loss today, 1-0 to the Indy 11. But, I mean, incredible incredible performance, incredible team. Uh, Jeremy, anything to add on the Aurora? Yeah, it's just, I mean, it was a dominant season. They set a USLW league record with 60 goals on the season. They led the league with a plus 56 goal differential in the regular season. It was just absolutely dominant. Uh, there were a few teams though nationwide that were sort of up there at that at that level too. Even though Aurora was so dominant in their division, they had four or five teams nationwide that were head and shoulders above the rest. Aurora yep. was there, but Indy 11 is also there. So it was always going to be a close one. And unfortunately, it went Indy 11's way. Last year, it went Aurora's way when they played 11 in the playoffs. And uh, this year, it went Indy 11's way. But, I mean, no reason why, if, if Aurora stays in the W League, that they shouldn't be a top contender again in 2024. They'll be back for sure and be a lot of fun to watch again. Hey, if, if, if all you average is one loss per season, that's pretty damn good. Yes, I would say so. Undefeated regular season, but – you know, that's that's okay. That's uh, that's how the cookie crumbles. Sometimes playoff soccer is different, and uh, you know it's up to a coin flip at times. And the flip, you know, the coin flipped in the opposite direction this time. We talk about playoff soccer. You know, my, my favorite playoff soccer memory. We're going to talk MLS here. Is RSL and the Seattle Sounders going 120 minutes scoreless, zero zero, uh, and then RSL winning in penalties to out the Sounders? Uh, was it like two years back? And the RSL didn't have a single shot on goal, and uh, I felt they they played the most just awful. park the bus from second one. Yes, soccer um, I have ever seen, but it worked for them. They made a run all the way to the Western Conference Final that year. I yeah, believe, so I uh, well, yeah. you ever seen the movie Sleepless in Seattle? Yes, of course I have. Okay, okay, so I photo I photoshopped uh, Raúl Ruiz Diaz and. I think it was Demir Krylak onto the movie co- cover, and I and I changed it from sleepless to scoreless. 
and I put that out at the end of extra time, right before penalties, and uh, Twitter feasted on that one. That was a proud moment. Proud moment. I think my uh, one of my favorite MLS playoff memories has to be the double post in uh, PK. So what was that SKC in Portland? I think Uh, early 2010s. Yeah, that's 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 one of those that'll that'll live on forever. I don't think I'll I don't think I'll ever forget that. But anyways, back to tonight. Jacob. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we do that, just quickly, uh, we were talking kits. Um, we've got Christopher saying that Casey was from the early 2000s, 100% yes. But MJ says a huge fan of Bongi tucked in kit with blue, the strings hanging out. I mean, everybody loves a kid on Bongi as long as he's smiling. I mean, dude's just got a contagious smile. Um, just ridiculously fun human being to be around. Uh, and I think Minnesota United fans have really really taking a liking taking a liking to him um and you know i think media have too i think we're, we, we we enjoy being around him just because he is you know he's just so passionate about everything minnesota soccer right now and it's it's you know it's fun to see that that little uh spark in someone's eye yeah and you know he's been in really good form lately and he probably should have had a goal tonight and so it's it, he's one of those players that you just get really excited about his future with Minnesota United, and you you hope he can be an impact player for for a long time. So Jeremy, looking ahead for Minnesota United's schedule now, uh, Houston Dynamo midweek, LAFC at the weekend, uh, and then the League's Cup. Uh, I don't think we need to do a look ahead on the League's Cup yet. We got two more games before that, uh, but you've got the Houston Dynamo on Wednesday. It's a quick turnaround. Um, previously in the chat here, let me scroll up. Uh, and find it, but Christopher Alfebi, excuse me, says Curvin redemp- uh, Curvin redemption game from the Open Cup. If you give me that four three three, yes. Um, Dynamo are an opponent the Loons are probably going to want to get a result against. They're probably pissed off about that Open Cup loss. It was embarrassing. I mean, Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, they. I think Houston is having some issues. I think they're they're a good opponent to be playing right now, but at the same time, it is the second of three games in seven days, so there's going to be a little bit of rotation there. Uh, you do have some guys like Padelford, um, who you know normally on the bench, who are, are in good form, so maybe he earns himself a little start, and we see what we see what he can bring for an extended period of time. But uh, yeah, I mean this team this team needs. This team needs to keep their road form going, and they need uh, they need to get a win. They they need a win. They need to kind of get back in the right frame of mind and on the right track in league play heading into the league's cup. You don't want to be limping into league's cup on three bad results in a row. You want to kind of turn it around before you get to that point because um, you after league's cup, you have about what seven weeks left of the regular season. At that point, there'll be probably a lot of games in that time, but you're sort of running out of time to, at that point, to regain any points you lose. So these last two games before League's Cup are very, very important, Mm -hmm. even though they're going to be rotating. Um, I think it is a good, good time for redemption, but at the same time, we've had two really opposite games uh, over the last two for Minnesota, a 4-1 win and a 4-1 loss. So you're, it's, it's hard it's hard to know how to feel and, and how to gauge what Minnesota United is going to bring in Houston on Wednesday, but yeah, they could, they could use as many points as they can get, obviously. You know, we'll look at Austin or excuse me, Houston's form right now uh, on the 24th, they lost three zero to Austin 
On July 1st, they lost 1-0 to the Sounders, and today they drew Sporting KC 2-2 with a 98th-minute equalizer from uh, Franco. Uh, I mean, KC are a really good team right now, folks. They are in unbelievable form after the disaster that was the start to their season. Um, You know, they had a bad 1-0 loss to Chicago three weeks ago, I believe, but SKC are starting to look legit. I believe Alan Polito is now tied for the third-highest scorer and MLS. I mean, where the hell did that come from? So uh, MLS is a little bonkers right now, but the Dynamo are a team in form. They're a, a good competitor. Hector Herrera is having a, an unbelievable season. I mean, if you would have told me that Hector Herrera would be in the MVP conversation uh, in July this season after what he showed last year, I would have told you you're bonkers. I would have told you you're nuts. Um, you know, shout out to him. He's been unbelievable. But it's a big test for Minnesota United on Wednesday. And I think um, – you know, based on their road form this year, it's it's really, really important to get a result here. Um, especially, I mean, let's talk their home form. And you're talking about playing LAFC? LAFC have had some bad results of late. They look to be on a slight skid. But I don't think any team in Major League Soccer, I don't think any team in North America would look at LAFC and say, we can win this game right away. No yeah, one has no. that confidence right now. But eventually you can come up with a plan. Eventually you can orchestrate how you're going to do it, but you're not going to immediately say, yeah, we can go and win right away. Just without. You know, LAFC is still that team. Yes. They are still that team. So you look at that and yeah, it's, it's not going to be a cakewalk by any means. You look at that. If you're, if you're going through the schedule, you know, at the beginning of the season or whatever, and you see LAFC at home, you're like, Hopefully we can get a point from that. That's kind of what you what you're what you're feeling at that point. I don't think that's any different, which I think is what makes the midweek game against Houston even all the more important. Yes. Because that's a game you can you can gather points from. Not necessarily so confident about at home against LAFC. You know, and you know, another thing here, folks, is if you want to chime into the conversation here, uh, saw some questions in the chat. If you have some thoughts on Houston, awesome. uh, uh, yes, awesome. likes for Racha. Sriracha. Sriracha is good. Actually, have you ever had the Thai chili garlic sauce? No, but Thai chili were the, the wings tonight that the loons served in the press box. And they're normally like this like sweet and tangy and super good. I was burning my lips tonight, Jeremy. Alan was sitting next to me uh, from Northland Soccer. Uh, and he's laughing. He's like, they can't be that hot. I've never I, – I get they do wings like every week, and I'll have like two or three of them as an appetizer. And I love them. Tonight, they were ridiculously hot, and my lips were burning. I don't know what happened. I don't know what they did. But, like, I like spice. I did not expect that. You know how you sound right now? You're complaining. People in the chat are like, this guy's complaining about the free food he's getting in the press box right now. That's that's what people, that's what people I think, are thinking. But you're right. They were pretty spicy for not being the buffalo wings. I will give so you that You one. did try them. But chili garlic. So okay. any, next time you have Chinese food, Vietnamese food, you know, whatever Thai food, whatever it is, get the chili garlic sauce to go with yeah. it. It is insanely spicy. Ooh. But it is like it's it's so good. Okay. Like it's 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 wild. Uh uh quickly, David says the most Minnesota thing I've ever heard you say. Uh pipe down there, Des Moines. Uh anyways, back to <laughs> Cedar it's Cedar Rapids, but yeah. Uh same thing. Nobody likes Iowa. Um <laughs> love you. Much love to our friend David Naylor, uh, a content creator here at sodasoccer.com and good friend of both Jeremy and I. Uh, but Christopher says, classic eight-game win streak incoming. We're winning the League's Cup, baby. Um, 
I think uh, I'll talk League's Cup next weekend after LAFC. I don't want to get ahead of myself right now because I want to, you know, maybe gauge a little more about what to expect. Uh, maybe see if so there's some more signings coming over the line um, and see what happens. But uh, we'll talk about that next weekend. League's Cup is exciting, uh, I will admit. But, folks, if you've got anything else you want to chime in about tonight from uh, the loss to Austin FC for one, uh, the potential Ethan Bristow signing, what we saw from finish forward, uh, that we're going to call him the finisher, but I'm just, uh, Timo Puki uh, tonight. Welcome uh, to Minnesota, Jacob. Welcome to Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean. Why did you say that like you're Irish? Did I? Okay, I tried. Let's, let's, let's no more accents. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, back, Jeremy, I got to focus up here. Stop, stop interrupting me. Uh, if you want to talk about anything else, saw some questions in the chat. We'll talk. What did, what did you think of uh, Izzy's performance tonight? Ishmael Tajiri Shradi. He, he also made his debut. He, uh, hear he my played 30 minutes. I, I think this kid's going to be a really sneaky, great signing. And he's not a kid. But I think he's going to be a really sneaky, great signing if he can stay healthy. That is the big – I think that's the big factor with him is if he stays healthy, this is a really good value signing for Minnesota United and a guy that can be really, really impactful moving forward. This is all about his health because this is a guy that was really good in MLS before he got hurt. Want to hear my hot take, Jeremy? Some sure. people probably aren't going to like this, but the 30 minutes I saw from Tajiri Shiradi today – um, more influential than I've seen in one game from Franco Fragapane this season, and they lost four one. I would, I would agree. I would agree with that. Uh, people maybe don't want to hear it, but uh, there's a reason Fraga lost his starting spot for what six, seven games early in the campaign. Um, no, when he was not hurt, he was no. Yeah, I just, I he is not doing what needs to be done on that left wing position. Uh, but it is unfortunate he's injured right now. Um, but the loons need more out of him when he's healthy. Uh, I miss Songbin a lot. I like his energy. I think he is a very influential player to the attack. I think he's going to combine brilliantly with Timu Puki. Um, where do you where do you put him? Do you put him in left wing? Do you put do you put Songbin or so Songbin or Izzy? You put Songbin and Izzy Songbin. sort of is that is that wing depth option? So Izzy can come in at left wing at cam or right wing. Uh, he's played all three. Yeah. Uh, Mender can be the backup behind Timo Puki. Um, you still have uh, Kervin Ariaga for the midfield. You still have Cameron Dunbar if needed. You have Emmanuel Iwe when healthy. Um, and, you know, there could be another potential signing mixed in there that Adrian has hinted about uh, in terms of a depth piece for the attack. Um you know, one thing that did intrigue me that Adrian said this week was that they're fielding a lot of calls about trades um, within their squad. Other MLS teams are sending calls in saying, hey, is XYZ available? Uh, or Minnesota United might be sending a call saying, is ABC available? But there's also the the thing that, you know, uh, Sporting KC told me that LAFC's player is available. Did you notice? And they're like, oh, okay, so we'll field that call. We'll, 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 we'll inquire. Um Adrian said there's a lot more of that going on right now than he expected. Uh, so it, we could be you know, in for a fun little transfer silly season upcoming. Uh, coming up, excuse me. Um, but uh, for Minnesota United, get that Ethan Bristow deal uh, over the line. Uh, get that competition at left back. I do think they need another right back too. But, uh, you know, with, with, with DJ, when you have – 
when you're not playing both DJ and Zarek, I guess you're, you're you're comfortable there. But when you're playing both, there's not another option um, for those two. So that's a little frustrating. Um, but um, you know, Mikel Marquez is also coming back from uh, uh, from injury too. He's training fully with the squad. They're ready to integrate him into the team. Um, so I, I I mean, I think there's get everybody healthy, and I think you, you're seeing a much more a much more competitive side, Jeremy, especially with the likes yeah. of Song Bin uh, and uh, and a healthy team of Pookie, hundred percent healthy. Yeah, and, and keeping those guys healthy and keeping those guys out of card, card accumulation trouble too. We've seen it both from Kervin Ariaga and Michael Boxall yeah. already this year, um, and those are two. I mean, Ariaga on his day is one of the most influential players on this team. Uh, obviously, Michael Boxall same way. Yes. Um, so you, you got to keep you got to keep yourself available. You got to keep yourself healthy. You got to keep yourself because if you don't, you see what happens tonight. Where you know what was seen as a very winnable, gettable home game coming yes. in, you lose four one, and you you blink and you're wondering what the hell happened. Mm -hmm. um, and with 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 a healthy Mike, Michael Boxall on the field, you know the defensive lapses probably don't happen. Not that that's a direct excuse that he wasn't there and all of a sudden the defense is, is ball watching, but I think he limits that from happening if he's on the field. And I think you have a much more competitive matchup. And with Timu Puki coming in at the end of the game, maybe you're in a position where he can, you know, you're, you're a goal away from, from getting something out of it. So, um, yeah, keeping yourself available injury-wise and card accumulation-wise is going to be huge down the stretch if this Minnesota team wants to crawl themselves back into the playoff picture. I believe with the loss, they fall to 12th in the West. Uh, not ideal. And it's not where you want to be, obviously. Uh, speaking of MLS around the league, Jeremy, I'm going to do a little wrap-up of results from around the league here. Yep. Um, we're closing out on the West Coast games. Uh, they're in the late stages of the 80th minutes, uh, late late 80-minute mark, so we'll uh, maybe get some final results by the end of the show here. But uh, the 6.30 kickoffs, we saw Atlanta United beat Montreal 1-0. Uh, a big game from Charlotte FC, uh, tying uh, FC Cincinnati 2-2. But they had a 2-0 lead, and it collapsed. Uh, they had a chance to knock off one of the best teams in the league, and they didn't. That's unfortunate. Um, I don't know what happened in this game. I didn't watch it. But Twitter was absolute chaos regarding uh, Columbus Crew and NYCFC and the uh, refereeing performance. Uh, I believe there were two red cards, and one of those was awarded to the head coach of the Columbus Crew. Uh Chaos Factor, maybe catch the replays over on Apple TV there. But D.C. United and Inter-Miami drew 2-2. Two, two. I think Inter-Miami could be in trouble, Jeremy. They've got, you know, they've got Messi coming. they got uh, Sergio Busquets, uh, uh, Jordi Alba. There's rumors of uh, Luis Suarez, too. And, you know, all these fantastic players coming in. Uh, you're going to be starting, literally started from the bottom. Now we're here is going to be what they're saying in October. Uh, big trouble for Inter-Miami. They are not doing well, but a good result for D.C. United. Uh, Red Bulls beat the Revs to one good result for New York. Uh, AZ Jackson in St. Louis City, 1-0 over Toronto. Toronto's troubles continue. Um, I don't know how to solve what's happening there. There is, You need to get a coach. You need to get players healthy. You need to not get red cards. You need to fix everything wrong, but it feels too little too late already, and we're just hitting the halfway mark of the season. Um, Chicago, Minnesota United's League Cup's opponents beat Nashville 1-0. Big win for them. Nashville are a defensive juggernaut. Uh, big win for them. Houston, who they play midweek, 2-2 against Sporting KC. Uh, Colorado Rapids, 2-1 over Dallas. Real Salt Lake with a dominant 
4-0 win over uh, Orlando City. Chicho, that's so, that's a team to watch out for, man. Yes, oh Chicho Arango scores on his debut, uh, yeah. but they, they've added Chicho Arango to the mix. Like it's it is ridiculous that you can add Chicho Arango to that mix and call. I'm calling it now. Western Conference finalists. Real. How do you think? How do you think LA is feeling right now? Like, okay, yep, Liga MX next year. Oh no, you're back in the Western Conference. We'll touch on, on that right now. Uh, because the Galaxy are somehow beating Philadelphia 3-1. to one. Uh, And I just want to quickly shout out the uh, likes of uh, Boyd and, and Puig, uh, Puig, excuse me, uh, at the Galaxy. They are combining brilliantly without any support in the attack right now. Uh, they single-handedly beat LAFC and El Trafico on the 4th of July. They uh, each have a goal tonight against the Union up 3-1. The Galaxy could be on the come up. Team to watch. I think Ricky Puich is, I'd say, the most fun player to watch in the league on his best day right yeah. now. Um, you know, that's my thing. I love, I love a good midfielder. I love a good attacking minded eight. Uh, but then, San Jose and LAFC won one. MVP candidates Denny Buwanga and Christian Espinosa each with a goal. And then the Whitecaps and the Sounders at two two. Uh, all three of these games I just mentioned now are nearing uh, stoppage time. Uh, uh, a late match stage of the match. So it looks like the Galaxy are going to get a win, but then LAFC, San Jose are stuck at a tie. Uh, Vancouver, Seattle, too. Jeremy, anything you want to hit on from tonight's matches or any folks in the chat? Anything you want to talk about before we wrap up? Uh, let me know. Well, I mean, we we just we just talked about how you know Minnesota being 12th in the West isn't ideal, and it's it's also not ideal when you have as many teams in front of them playing as well as they are. We talked about Kansas City sort of playing themselves in good, in, in really really good form right now. We uh, we talked about RSL, we t- who I know they're near the top of the table. You know, Vancouver, um, San Jose with Espinosa. Like, there's just there's a lot of teams in the West that are pretty darn good. That are on the good side of the spectrum of bad to good. They're on the good side of the spectrum. Yes. So it's going to make it that much harder for Minnesota to climb out of that spot. Sure, there may be four, five, six points out of a playoff spot, and that doesn't seem that deep of a hole in the grand scheme of things. But it's not like you have pushovers to leapfrog yes. here to get into those playoff positions. So that makes a result like tonight against an Austin team that you see as one of those beatable teams yep. in the West you you got to get you got to get get as many points as you can while you can. I know that sounds dumb to say and it sounds so elementary to say. But man, when you're playing a team that that is beatable, you got to find a way to get it done. All right, here's our final question tonight. We're going to take it from Christopher Alfabi. Thanks for hanging out all night here Christopher. You've been sending questions the entire time. Uh we appreciate you. Uh the math for Miami makes no sense both roster-wise and points-wise. They're not making the playoffs. Um, what I'll say about the roster is Biscuits as a DP makes sense, but it's been reported that Jordi Alba would be a Tam or Gam signing, which makes sense. Uh, but people are like, you know, is Inter Miami going to make the playoffs? Right now, uh, as we speak, they are eight points outside the playoffs. That's pretty easy to make up. If we're being frank, eight points is eight points is doable. Uh, but that's for the play-in game. If they want to be safe in the playoffs, they're twelve points out. So. Hot take is, what if Inter-Miami don't make the playoffs despite having uh, Leo Messi? Uh, I don't know. But what I will say, too, is I'll add on here, is Joseph Martinez is starting to look like Joseph Martinez again, and that's scary. Add, 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 pieces, add pieces around him that are solid, 
that's terrifying because Joseph Martinez is on his best day. Uh, Joseph Martinez on his best day is one of the most prolific and terrifying goal scorers in MLS history. Let's be honest. Um, so it's exciting for Miami to get those pieces in. Exciting to build around an informed striker. Exciting to offload Pizarro to the Galaxy, which is one of the rumors right now. Uh, Adrian, actually, Adrian Heath mentioned this on Friday. He goes, I didn't expect the Galaxy to be chasing Pizarro, but here we are. You know, that's happening. Um, I didn't expect any MLS team to be chasing Pizarro. Uh, it feels like, like a waste of money right now. He's just not performing, and he is on a ridiculously high salary. Um Leave it to the galaxy to take a flyer on. Leave it to the galaxy. Uh, (laughs) Okay, last one, Chris. All right, then we're wrapping up. He says, who's going to run on the Miami team? Uh, You don't need to run. Just vibes. Well, look, here's the the thing about Miami. No, they're probably not going to make the playoffs in 2023, but I don't think Miami is worried about making the playoffs in 2023. I think they're worried about winning MLS Cup in 2024. You know know what I'm saying? They're going to, no matter how they finish in 2023, if everybody's healthy, they're going to be the betting favorites to win MLS Cup next year. Hands down. Watch watch Miami win the League's Cup and miss the playoffs. And then win CCL next year. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, folks, on that note, uh, we're going to wrap it up here from Allianz Field. Uh, like I said, Jeremy and I are both live from Allianz Field. This is a first for Soda Soccer. Have both uh, both show both uh, show personnel here uh, at the stadium, so that's pretty cool. Um, we're the last ones here. Press box is dead. Uh, I don't see anybody over there. No, I just see. Uh, I just see. They've the even room. like dimmed the lights. We we might have to lock up on the way out, Jacob. Yeah, they. Uh, all I see left is uh, Jeremy's uh, brisk iced tea cans. All six of them lined up. First of all, there, <laughs> was, there were three. Okay, let's get real. There were three. Two pregame, one at half. Okay. They close up the vending machine postgame, so I can't have one postgame. Uh, so, it, it was open today. I got a second water. Yeah, yeah, tough luck, man. Tough luck. I'm sorry. All right, folks, live from Allianz Field. Uh, it's Austin FC 4, Minnesota United 1. Uh, homegrown talent, Devin Padelford, with his first professional Major League Soccer goal Timu Puki and and Izzy uh, Tajiri Shradi make their Minnesota United debuts. Uh, the Loons are back in action midweek on the road against the Houston Dynamo before they return to Allianz Field next Saturday to host uh, LAFC, one of the most intimidating teams in North America. It'll be a match to remember here at Allianz Field. And as you know, Adri- uh, as you know, Jeremy and I will both. Uh, be here for Soda Soccer cover on that one. We're excited to bring you coverage this week. Uh, and always support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Soda Sock. You can subscribe for as little as $3 a month, and that money goes towards um, uh, us, us content creators, uh, our entire staff, uh, the podcast, the the written content, uh, everything you see produced on our site, it goes towards us. And we're, we're incredibly appreciative of anybody who subscribes, our readers, uh, anybody who shares our posts on social media, uh, everything and, and, and anything in between. Uh, so again, that's patreon.com slash sodasock. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, from Allianz Field, I'm Jacob Schneider. I have oh. one more big announcement to make. Sorry, Jacob. Go, go. We're on threads now. Ooh. At, at Soda SOC. Follow us. Or um, don't. I don't care. Hey, hey, once threads adds gifts, I'm going to be unstoppable. I'm going to be unstoppable. <laughs> Nobody can touch me. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. You know, if if Jeremy gets one last thing, I get one last thing, too. Um, Listen to the Taylor's version of Speak Now uh, on your drive home tonight, Jeremy, and you will. I might. 
yeah, you might have to. And everybody else, listen to it because it's incredible. Uh, and yeah, that, that's it. All right. We're out. Thanks. From all the other Jacob Schneider, Jeremy Rushing. This is Post Loons on Soda Soccer. Go to bed, guys. Bye. <laughs> See ya.